be a master of change. If you want to sidestep loss, be willing to change before you lose everything. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high performance results in your business. Hey there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Shramko. James, how are you, man? Good, mate. How are you? Man, I'm so good. I'm in upstate New York. Um, It's raining, and I'm looking for houses to buy. So upstate New York, that must be somewhere around Woodstock? It's exactly right. I'm in Woodstock. and uh... (laughs) So... If it's raining, that means you'd have mudslide, rock concert in the backyard. Well, I don't know if there's any actual rock. I think Woodstock is famous because the concert never actually happened here, um, and it was supposed to. But anyways, uh, it's beautiful up here. You know, you're two hours from New York City, and it feels like you're in like a magical fairy tale land. Lovely. How's the surf? There's no surf, ah, yeah. <laughs> but there, there are good rivers to paddleboard. And you wouldn't make it a day because there's no surf, but... Maybe I can bring you up here in the winter and we can go snowboarding. That'd be cool. I imagine there's some sort of a, a transfer across f- to for that skill. I, although I'd mourn the loss of being able to surf at the time, I'd tell you what I would probably do, and this might sound weird, I'd probably lay out a towel or a carpet mat of a similar size to a surfboard and, and just stand on it and practice moves, you know, just, just, just sort of visualize the act of surfing i found that was helpful in the philippines for about a week hey man visualization is very important in athletics so everything good with you fantastic yeah absolutely and i'm glad to be podcasting this is an epic episode number 50 we've made it 50 episodes so well done buddy Thanks, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm happy about 50. I can't wait till we reach 100 and then 200 and then 500. So at this pace, it might take a while, but I think we can do it. (laughs) So what are we talking about today? This episode is about loss. And loss is something that we all risk when attempting any new endeavor. And it's something that we all experience. And we've kind of been taught to hide from it and that it's bad, but it can be just as and sometimes even more profitable than, than winning. So loss, what is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think, Act, Get. Yeah, it can can be a heavy topic too and one that people are reluctant to talk about because everyone reacts differently. And I've seen some people have a really severe reaction to loss and other people seem to just glide past it. So it'd be really interesting to see some of the approaches you take around the, the topic. And I'm sure it is something that affects everyone. So we should have an interesting episode. I mean, it really is heavy, you know? It's something that that affects everyone. It's something that we're taught is bad and that we should avoid and that like we shouldn't look at. And you know, loss is going to happen to you. And when it happens, the first thing that you need to do or the first thing that I would recommend doing is to give yourself time to process it because usually when that happens when you lose, you know, the the first thing that you experience is like panic and shame because you think, well, something bad happened that I'm going to have to deal with or I did. I must have done something wrong if this happened. I must be bad. And if you don't want to be victimized by, by a loss, then it's best to sit with that and feel, feel whatever, you, you know, whatever it feels like to have that loss. And don't try to fix a mistake in a mistake mode because in the state of post-loss, what you're doing is you're mistaking the loss with thinking that you are wrong, that this thing happened and that I didn't want to happen and therefore I am bad and wrong. And the first thing to, to do is to recognize and acknowledge that you're experiencing a loss 
and that you and not to do anything right away and that's so hard and in poker we call that going on tilt like someone loses and they're like frenetically trying to win their money back and so they make a whole bunch more mistakes rather than sitting with that loss being composed and deciding to take whatever the next action is from a composed place rather than like flipping out because they've lost and like going into um, crazy mode. Yeah. So look, this is really interesting. And, and um, I did some research on it, maybe just a, a qu- quick sort of overview. There is, there's a bit of research done by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in 1969. She proposed that there's different phases. There's denial, then anger, then bargaining, then depression, and then acceptance. Now, some people don't have to go through all those phases, and it can also happen at different times for different people. So some people, uh, and maybe I put myself in this bucket, can go from the loss fairly quickly to acceptance. And I'll talk about some of the techniques I use to do that. And there's some definite no-nos and and positives that you can do to help you get through some of these stages. For example, uh, like if you were to happen to be in the depression part, you really want to be you wouldn't want to be taking uh, alcohol or substances or uh, gambling or um, distracting yourself to the point of a coping sort of situation because that's not going to deal with it. Uh, most of the advice out there is, look, you better to face the loss. Face it, front up to it, and deal with it. One of the worst things you can do is try and bury it away and and push it down low and not face it or deal with it. And I think that's how a lot of people get into trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that that's a really good point that those stages, you know, even when it's a small little loss, like, oh, I would have liked this thing to happen and it didn't. Like you're going through all those relatively quickly when, when the loss doesn't carry as much charge for you, when you're not as attached to the outcome. And when you're more attached to the outcome, then you have more severe, you know, more severe experiences. And I think that there is benefit in loss. And one of the things that you realize is, and one of the things that you realize when you lose and then you get to the place of acceptance is that you're not as ruled by the things that you are chasing as you think you are. So you lost something or you didn't achieve something. You're still fine. You're still you. And there's this temptation that, that people have to think, you know, I need this thing to happen in order for me to be okay. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting how some people put a lot of weight on seemingly insignificant losses <laughs> like say uh in in australia right now one of the topics is the government have decided to be cracking down on free handouts so they're they're saying to people on unemployment benefits listen if you don't come to your appointments to help for us to help you get a job we're going to stop paying you uh your unemployment benefit and people are in outrage about this i remember you talking <laughs> i remember you talking about that and and uh you know this loss of uh, entitlement that that was coming to them that is now not has caused sort of an outrageous reaction from people who are for most part just manipulating the government system uh, so it's fascinating to see that people will put a lot of effort and focus and um and anger uh, into that when someone like me would think well that's that doesn't make any sense at all and well, how could you possibly complain about that how could you mourn the loss of something well you're someone who takes responsibility for yeah you weren't supposed to have in the first place you are someone who takes responsibility for your life that's right you know you you are willing to take responsibility for your life and 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 you know own up to you being the source of pain and pleasure in your life, you know, and and that's a tough spot for a lot of people to get to. And I think that one of the things, one of the fundamental truths 
about loss is that you really shouldn't take risks that you can't stomach. Like each choice that you make includes the possibility of failure. Now, does that mean that you shouldn't chase that thing? No, it just means that inherent in every ask and every request is that you might be disappointed in not receiving that thing. And you have to know that. And what loss brings up is it brings us up against our own inability to control the world. It makes us feel like I'm not in control because this thing that I didn't want to have happen just happened. So the intrapersonal work that you have to do to get right with loss is to know that you are outside of your ability to control the world. And you have to get comfortable living in a world that's bigger bigger than you and knowing that you know n- nobody is at the point of playing total cause for their world. Like nobody is in total control and we all feel like, you know, things are out of our control sometimes. And that's an experience that you'll have and you got to be able to handle that. Well, I think in, in some cases they are like, um, for example, you know, we've talked about business losses, but there's also like pet losses or people losses, you know, job losses, relationship losses, health losses. Like if you, if you get struck down with a incurable disease or um, as as happened to me last week one of my very good friends uh, had a relative commit suicide and wow. that has that's sort of instant sort of reflection on how you deal with loss my first thought and this might seem really weird was well at least this person wasn't murdered or taken hostage at least this wasn't a a, a death against the person's will like they they did it themselves that's like my first thing is to say well what possible way can I start to relieve the the magnitude of this? And I start to look for, well, reflect on how it might have been better than something worse. So I use the law of contrast on the basis that there's always someone even worse off. And I'll never forget when I was in uh, Bangkok at the hotel, every day when I'd leave the hotel, I'd walk out the front and on the pavement there was this lady who was missing limbs and she was sprawled across the pavement with a little tin cup in her hand and she was there every day and every night just begging on the footpath and she was basically she had nothing she had, she was missing arms and legs and like one arm she had one arm holding a cup and I thought no matter how bad my day is this lady's have you know she's in a much worse situation than me she's not she's not even able bodied and she's in a poor country and this is this is her daily existence so I'm using contrasting methods to to see, well, what can I learn from this? How can I reflect this back? And one of the interesting things I found when I was looking into this topic of loss is uh, a very common advice, apart from go and get support and, you know, journal and, and, you know, talk about your feelings openly. One of the big recommendations is just go and pile on belief, belief and faith into your religion. And I thought, wow, there's something... That happens a lot. Where do you get that um, advice? Just out there? Well, you know, if you just if you do research on on um, sites about loss and grief and depression and that, a lot of them re- redirect people back into religion to some sort of religious beliefs. Yeah, fascinating, and that's a part where I probably wouldn't. Agree. I can see how that works for people, but I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing. And I'm sure we'll cover that topic one day. It's like quick. Yeah, we may get to a religion. We've been threatening religion for a long time. It's like, quick, we can't control it. It's beyond our control. So rush into the place where it can solve everything for you without any question. Yeah, totally, man. And I think that... And I I think that's almost dangerous. uh, It's very dangerous because it's having you not really confront what's actually happening. And I would say that, you know, if you can get to the place where you've accepted that you've lost and you've realized that you are not defined by winning or losing, 
what that does for you is it allows you to swing more freely in general because as long as you have those principles clearly defined, then you can go after stuff with, with joy rather than desperation because being cool with, with the possibility of losing allows you to aim higher because if you're cool with loss, then you know that not getting the thing that you strive for won't devastate you on just a basic human person level. And, and to the point of what you were just talking about, James, now that you're at that point, let's say you get to that point that, that you can handle loss. You can use the cycle of loss to learn more about yourself and inform your future decisions. It doesn't have to be a big emotional black hole. You can take the information that came from the loss as feedback for the next time you take on a project. Like, oh, I didn't get this because of a pattern that I now see. And if you're caught up in losing, then that's where your attention is rather and you don't see any of that. And what we're taught to, and this is what I'm talking about with the religion thing, this is back to your point, we are taught to hide from painful emotional experiences. But if you don't sort through the emotional pain from an experience, you can't look back at it clearly. So what people do is they run from the loss and they just never look at it because it's emotionally painful. But if you if you can stomach taking a look at the loss and feeling the pain and the emotion that's there, that's with that loss, then you can learn from that. And I think that what you're saying is that sometimes people will use things like religion and stuff like that to hide from losses in their lives. Yeah, I think so. And and I think, you know, what we're saying here, it's better to face it, be vulnerable. It, you know, it's okay if you feel like crying or you don't, you don't feel like it's been resolved straight away. Like people will say, oh, time will fix it or you just need a year or whatever. That might not be true for you. Uh, so just ignore that. Don't argue with them, but just, just move past it. Just, I prefer to be raw with my feelings on, on where I'm at with stuff. And, and that means you don't need to drive yourself to drink. You don't need to beat yourself up. You don't need to get crazy. And I, I love the, there was this, this isn't my quote for the day, but I'm just going to throw it in here. You're going to love um, your quote for the day. <laughs> to, Leo Su, well, I changed it, by the way. Leo Su <laughs> oh. from the Teo Te Ching said, to understand the limitation of things, desire them. And it's almost saying, well, you will experience loss if you desire things or you pursue things, whether it's a relationship with a person. At some point, you or they will die. It's pretty much guaranteed unless they discover something between now and when, when I pass away. You know, we all die. It's going to happen. There's likely to be a loss at some point. If you invest in wanting things or striving for things, there'll also be the flip side of that. So that's basically where you're at. You better just to to purge your feelings and and confront them. Uh, be be upfront about how you are, and also take that time to think. Well, okay, as much as there's dark, you can't have dark without light. I mean. The, they, they coexist. You've got that yin-yang. So for whatever loss there is or whatever negative there is, there's also positive. There's a beautiful sunset today or there's a rainbow tomorrow. Or, um, you know, remember to, to, to appreciate what you do have in spite of all of that. All things said and done, if you take a balance sheet out on your life, if you're able-bodied or you're still breathing or, you uh, you know, if you've got a passion or something you can still pursue, then all is not lost. But even if all is lost, my quote today will still reconcile that. Well, you know, I think that it's a good point that you make that like you are, you know, you're going to experience it. And if you spend your time trying to avoid loss, this is what people do often is they spend their time in the pursuit of avoiding pain and loss. But 
that is like, a, a, in our experience, a much less profitable way to spend your time than spending your time in the pursuit of winning or in the pursuit of the things that you want. Like, don't not do the things you want because you might lose. I'm not going to, you know, announce Smart Marketer Live because I may not sell enough tickets and that, you know, or like, I'm not going to not take risks because of the potential of failure. And I think that's the point here is that there is the potential of failure, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take risks. Well, I'm not going to tiptoe through life so that I can get to death safely. Yeah, totally. Like you're so right. People do avoid pain. That's why they get stuck in jobs. It's why they, they sit on the t- couch watching television instead of creating or producing. Uh, it's why they burn eight hours a day on Facebook, dribbling away their life into a nothingness. Like seriously, people got to wake up. Practically, in you know, I'm I'm doing a Facebook advertising course right now with thousands of students, and I see it practically. It's so interesting. People are like not willing to spend. They spend you know a thousand dollars on a training program, and then they're like not. They don't want to spend fifty bucks on an ad campaign because they're afraid that it might not work. You know, it's like you got to be willing to play. <laughs> It's guaranteed not to work and, you know, unless the stars align and that's the whole beauty of it. And that's why in, in our masterminds, we are celebrating the difficulties because most people won't go through that because they're too scared of loss. So what, what the big point here, what Ezra and I are saying is be okay with loss. Loss is part of the deal and you can actually celebrate it. I like to think of, of it as an investment in experience. I lost some money on shares once, but I, I treated that as an education in share trading. I got the experience on what not to do. Yeah. You know, I've, I've lost money on, on a couple of other things here and there. I, there was a tax thing that I got roped into once by a shady accountant. I had an investment in experience in getting the right advice and, and um, the fact that there aren't really uh, shortcuts, that, that uh, sometimes you just pay the price, take the loss, and you move through. And there is profit in every loss if you're willing to look at it and find it because you learn about what to do better next time around. So There's, there's a couple of items that I had on there that I hadn't fully exhausted. Oh, well, let's get to them. Let's do it. Yeah, let's explore that. Okay, let's do it because it's so, so fun when we get to chat. Yeah, it's a good topic, man. It's so important. And gosh, I've had so much loss. I'm pr- pretty qualified yeah. for this topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, one of the biggest losses I experienced was not even my loss. It was my parents' loss of all finance when I was that sort of 17-year-old, 18-year-old age. And it was devastating to them. And at the time, it was quite a slap in the face to me to realize that we were no longer rich and now we were poor. It was such a confrontation. Was this like an Australian, um, you know, stock market crash or something? Yes, 1988. Wow. Uh, we had a, um, wow. a recession. And so my parents were in a very expensive house in a very expensive suburb. They had a, a Jaguar car. He had a high-flying corporate job. Uh, he had a car phone, everything. And then one day his company got bought out by a corporate raider. It got stripped of assets, real Gordon Gecko-like, stripped of assets. Wow. He had no job. Wow. He now had a, a mortgage on the house at like 18% interest to hyperinflation. Oh, my God. He had, the payout on the car was twice what the car was worth because oh of massive you know, depreciation. And now they basically had nothing. They pretty much sold out of their house, paid off their loan, and had, and were left with nothing at all. Wow. And, we, and, and I moved into my grandparents' house. Out in the backyard, we actually built a, a little one-bedroom shed for me to live in where my 
grandfather's office was. Wow. And was this? Now like, here's a question for you. Did your dad ever recover from that? No. Or was he just crushed by it? No, he's still crushed by it. Because wow. he ended up, they ended up buying a, into some small retail business, the travel industry, which was just fantastic because the internet came along and wiped him out. Oh my God, and, this guy's been having a rough go of it, man. <laughs> and, you know, and he was a corporate, he, and it, you know, he's one of the smartest, most, most intelligent, best general knowledge guys you'll ever meet, like wow. chemical engineer, wow. always number one or two in his class, all the way through scholarships, full university, was a genius in, in corporate development and stuff, but he just couldn't handle small business retail, wow. and he chose a terrible industry at the, at the wrong time, and uh, you know, I think it really affected him, and, and they've, they've been pretty much on the... And what did that teach you as a kid, man, seeing your family get destroyed? Well, I went from a complacent, uh, cocky, rich kid to broke. Yeah. Uh, and so I had to now get a job. Talk about a lesson. I literally had to go and get a job to pay for the groceries. And it was a massive slap in the face. I, I thought no matter what happened that I would, uh, you know, I'd still be wealthy. I'd, I didn't understand that there were things such as loans or mortgages. So I didn't really understand that at 17. I probably should have, but, you know, I thought that our, I thought the fact that we had a nice Jaguar meant we were rich. I thought that we lived in a huge house in one of the richest suburbs in Australia. I thought that we were rich, but I was wrong. It was all geared and, and borrowed to the hilt. So, it was I, I just remember being so so shattered. And you know, that person that being that person, being the rich kid, you know, losing that title might have been hard on your ego, but it didn't mean that you still weren't James. You know, you were still your same. But here's the thing, I didn't really have much to lose. I'm a seventeen year old kid. I didn't have any assets. I didn't have any and I was just basically I was working part time jobs to pay for my petrol and tires that I was going through on my V eight and I um and I was studying accounting and I'd failed my school certificate. I, I didn't really apply myself. I didn't connect with school at all. I didn't even pass. I got 200 and something out of 500 for my school certificate, uh, my HSC. And uh, then, you know, now I had to go and get a job. And I got a job. In a, what do you do in a recession? What, what kind of job do you get? You get a debt collecting job. <laughs> And that's my first full-time job was uh, as a, well, officially my second, but I only lasted three weeks in the timber yard. Uh, I was a debt collector in an office in the city on $18,500 a year. Wow. And that was my, my first job when I was like 19, around about that. that and uh, all my friends were earning twice as much as me. But I somehow managed to ride, and this is a really important lesson, it may not be completely related to loss, but this is a very important lesson. I've always chosen the right industry. It's the exact opposite of what happened to my, my dad. So I took his loss and learned from that as if it was mine. And I went in debt collection during the recession. I went into credit and finance during the recovery. I went into luxury car sales during the boom. I went into technology as like a precursor to the internet and I went into internet marketing and then website development and and selling information, which in 2014 now seems like a fantastic industry. And, and the more you want to research this, there's some really good models around that have been abandoned but have but are still being. You can learn from people like Richard Koch about the star 
businesses, but you pick the the market leader in the leading markets and you've got a winner. So if you want to avoid loss, just back winners, you know, so put a little more effort into researching where the no-brainer decisions are. And right now you're in it too. E-commerce in 2014 is like a no-brainer. I mean, I have to say, I have to say too, you know, I, I got into internet marketing and e-commerce right at the right time. You know, I got in back in 05 when this thing was just taken off and I've been lucky enough to be, you know, to have really put my attention and energy and investment into this as it's continuing to grow. So I think it's a good point, you know. Well, look at the, you know, the SEO, you know, I wrote out SEO through the absolute purple patch in history, like when it was just the absolute most prime, we were doing six figures a month of SEO during the time, people just couldn't get enough of it. And thankfully, we built a really strong business and it's still solid. But most of my competitors are gone. They've all disappeared. <laughs> and, you know, we saw the trend really early and we started moving across to website development, which is where we're very strong now. That's a good point that, you know, no industry is necessarily guaranteed. You know, like, for example, Blockbuster. Blockbuster started in like 78. By 2004, they were at their peak with 9,000 stores across the entire United States. And then from 2006 you know, to 2008, they lost 75% of their market share to, uh, to Netflix and, and Redbox, and then uh, they filed for bankruptcy on like their 25th year anniversary. So they, they're a perfect example. Okay, so let's lock in the learning. The learning here is be a master of change. If you want to sidestep loss, be willing to change before you lose everything. And there's a little technique you can use, and they use it in share training. It's called a stop loss. And this is the one where you fairly quickly realize you're on the wrong track. So you pull out and you start again before you get stubborn and you hold in and you increase your loss. And I'll give you an example how I applied this the other day. Uh, it was two days ago, I paddled out into the surf and immediately I realized I had the wrong board for the conditions. I'd, I'd very, very rare, but, but I'd, and I'd basically underestimated the conditions and had the wrong board for the conditions. So I paddled back in and changed boards because you have different size boards like a golfer to match the waves. And then for the next hour and a half, I had the best surf ever on the right board. Had I tried to battle it out, I would have just increased my loss. I would have had a, had a totally different experience. So being willing to call a loss early can often mitigate the loss. Mm, being willing to like just say hey to recognize yeah this isn't working you know relationships not working or the this job's not working for me or this move to texas just ain't working for me you know do i wait five years and regret the last five years or do i just after like a couple of weeks say you know what damn it this isn't the right thing what i'm going to do is i'm going to call my loss early i'll eat eat any sort of incidental expenses and airfares or whatever and moving costs and I'll just get back on track now and I'll save myself a bigger loss in the future. Yeah, totally. You know, that's one thing is being able to recognize a loss, you know, while it's happening or before it happens or a potential loss. Like having your, you know, having, a, we're not saying just carefree, you know, run run through the fields like there's nothing wrong. Like, you know, we, we still think you should have attention on potential losses and like, you know, hopefully try to avoid them. Um, but we sh they, they shouldn't, you know, rule your life. And this leads me to another topic I really want to talk about is brinkmanship. It's something a mentor really drummed into me. And you can learn more about it from like the great filibuster debate in history. There's good, good books on this. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is a, a movie as well. 
But if you want to take it in a modern context, brinkmanship is simply like the art of taking something right to the edge, but without losing it. And it happens in legal situations, happens in parliament. It also happens in sport and in science, like Ayrton Senna. He was a racing driver who just went right to the limit. There was no pulling back for him. He he would If he was 10 laps in front and it was dr- pouring with rain, he wouldn't ease off to give himself a conservative win. He would still push it to the limit, even to the point where he'll spin off the track in first place, pushing it to the absolute limit because this guy only knew to the limit. He ended up losing his life, which was not necessarily a related thing. He tried to prevent it. He even predicted it would happen. And he was all a big advocate for safety. But it's such a sort of almost a tragedy. But what he did teach us is that you can go right to the edge. There's no there's no second gear or backing off. You just take it right to the absolute limit. And and that was one of the most inspirational things. And I highly recommend a documentary called Senna to learn about this guy who had the most amazing vision and drive. Another guy who is, who, uh, who is an example of brinkmanship is Steve Irwin, that crocodile hunter. Mm. You, you know, often I remember watching him thinking, this guy is insane. Like he's going to get bitten or killed or something at some point. And eventually he did get uh, taken out by a stingray uh, swimming very close to it and he got cut by the, the tail. So, you know, his loss was big because he did kept he did keep pushing it right to the limit. And at one point, he actually went past the limit and it cost him his life. You can control how far you want to go to the limit. You can put yourself in that situation or not. Both of those guys put themselves in a situation where they could die. And, you know, that that was savable. But knowing where the limit is, is really half of the art. So ideally, you learn from from someone else where the limit is and then just stay one level back from that. And, and the, that's a good technique to do. Uh, that's why you join masterminds. Or Well, it's like you always say, the second mouse gets the cheese. Second mouse gets the cheese, baby. And, and that's why you join masterminds. You know, Ezra knows where the cheese is. He's going he's gonna to share it with James. And, uh, you know, I can go and get cheese all day long without having to risk And James knows where the cheese is. He's going to share it with me and I can go get cheese all day. He's going to share it with Ezra. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. That's why, you know, we're sharing ideas in this podcast format. Hopefully some of these ideas help. But just a quick recap where we're at because we've talked about a lot of things. Be okay with change. Call a loss early. When you do experience a loss, celebrate the the good thing that must come from it because there's always something good wrapped in something bad. Deal with it, face it, rather than hide it or tuck away or surrender it to a um, you know a, just blind faith. I'll use that that word. I think it's appropriate. Journal it if it makes you feel better. Talk about it. Get support. And if people are trying to tell you how to how you should feel or when it should be recovered, just ignore them. Don't get into an argument with them because it's different for everyone else. And you may experience one or more of of you know the the phases of denial or anger or you know bargaining or depression or or just accept it. And I I I think. I'm pretty raw with my emotions and uh, and I accept things fairly quickly because I'm able to use the law of contrast. You know, someone's worse off than me. Perhaps this loss is going to make me stronger or better in a, in a, in a different way. Uh, certainly when I was taking a, a bashing, trying to learn how to surf, I knew that one day I could do this and that this was just part of the process. Absolutely, man. Good stuff. Good topic. Good episode. I'm kind of patting myself on the back here. 
Um, I'm happy with this episode. Yeah, you, 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 great episode choice. You know, I think that this is the kind of stuff that it's important to look at, that like there's not a whole lot of attention on, um, especially in, in the context of business, which is really, at the end of the day, for the most part, what a lot of our listeners are, are, are listening to this show for is, you know, they are most likely an entrepreneur of some kind or, or a business owner of some kind, and, and, and you will experience loss in business. So let's roll, Carol. And let's move on to our weekly willpower wager. Weekly willpower wager. Okay, so this week's weekly willpower wager, what we want you to ask yourself is what is one thing that you are afraid of losing or you're afraid of not achieving or attaining? And then we want you to try on the um, you know the viewpoint or the experience that, that you don't get that thing, you don't attain that thing, or you lose that thing. Like feel what your life would be like if you lost that thing or if you never attained that thing and sit with that and like feel that loss and then recognize your own okayness and your own, you know, yeah, your own okayness in the face of, of not having that thing. Like that loss does not define you as a person. You could have that happen and still be the wonderful, great, and amazing person that you are. And so, you know, if you lose this thing, it's not the end of your world, is, is, is what this weekly willpower wager is designed to have you experience. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to reveal my quote because it's going to be perfect for that scenario. Uh, let's talk news and updates. Uh, oh, it wouldn't be a news and update unless we unless we say where in the world is Ezra living this week. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm moving to Woodstock. It's true, you know. I've had a lot of, you know, we we've had this thing where it's like we've we've been starting to feel like New York was a little too intense for us, and that we kind of wanted more nature, and that the energy of the city was just sort of too high vibration. And so we moved from Manhattan to Brooklyn, which was very nice. Brooklyn is beautiful, and and we love New York City. I mean, you just have so much love for the place. It's where we came of age. It's where we met each other. It's like where our lives sort of have blossomed over the last 10 years. But then we kind of realized, okay, we're sort of done with the city. We want to be in nature. We want to walk outside and have, you know, access to nature and more, more, more easily, more easy access to nature. And so we were going to move to Austin. We tried that on. We went down there. We we bought a car down there. We leased a house for a year. (laughs) We really tried that lifestyle on. And, um, you know, my wife and Carrie, you know, decided that really that, that, that is not for her. And uh, we were able to see after that that, you know, Austin was kind of not the place we wanted to live. And so we came back to New York and we started looking at, you know, where do we want to go? And we realized that what we really want to do is move to upstate New York, Woodstock. Um, We've been looking at houses. We actually put an offer in on one today. So hopefully we get it, fingers crossed. It's like down the road from this Buddhist monastery on the top of this mountain. It's really cool. Uh, So we moved to upstate New York and that allows us to like keep uh, connection to this community of people. We have very close friends in New York and we were sad about leaving them. So we can keep a connection to our community. We can still have access to our favorite city in the world, but we can be in nature most of the time. So that's what we're thinking now. And that could change if you, as you know, um, anytime. So yeah, well, you know what? And don't worry about it. You know, that saying the grass is always greener, you know, on the other side of the fence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that one where people are like, Oh, you know, they want to move because they're not happy where they are. Well, yeah. mostly the, the grass is greener where it's watered. <laughs> so totally, just, just where, wherever you are is is where you are. So just just water it; it'll flourish. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Uh, on on my news uh, event, Super Fast Business Live Ten shaping up to be rather epic. You can come along to this event and learn how to run an eight figure business, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, one of the guests is uh, very experienced at running a solid eight-figure business for many, many years, and a good friend of mine is coming to spill the beans. 
we have lots of ticket sales. I've got to tell you, the, the way that we've promoted this event is different to before. I ha- had my friend Ryan Spanger uh, asked him to make the videos for me. And he's just like super unbelievable professional. He's uh, come up with a, a concept. We've filmed them. He's, you know, he's, he's, uh, we, we ran around Manly for a day filming them. He's edited them up beautifully and he's created some wonderful case studies. And of, from those already, we've sold more than 60 tickets. Wow. You've sold 60 tickets already at the current early bird rates. That doesn't include the experts. It doesn't include Silver Circle members who automatically get a ticket. So we're almost on 100 uh, sales, and I'm expecting there'll be about 200 people at this event by March. And the other component that's been super awesome is my friend Jake Hower has created all these automated sequences and timed emails and um, special segmented upsells and downsells and landing pages to help different segments of my customer base. And then we've combined that with a little bit of remarketing. And here's the cool bit. Jake is coming to the event to explain what we did and what results we got. And Ryan's coming to the event to explain what he did and what results we got and and how you might be able to apply this to your own business. And what it means for me is that this event is literally selling itself in the background, I'm not even thinking about it, and it's almost up to 100 uh, people coming to this event, and they're like, just it's just amazing to watch this thing happening. And we're going to be sharing how it happened and how you can do it too. So it's this case study of of all case studies. So incredible, so incredible, because it's so difficult to get people to fly to any part of the world and attend an event, let alone pay you for the experience. You know, we ended up getting 150 people at Smart Marketer Live, um, which was fantastic. However, I lost money on that event. You know, I I had to sell, (laughs) I lost a lot of money on that event, you know, but it was, look, it it wasn't about profitability for me. It was about establishing my community and um, all this kind of stuff. And then I was able to, to, monetize it by um, making an offer to attendees after the actual event to where I was able actually to not lose money but like see you've turned a a loss into a a win and you balance things out I have but I'm just saying that it's really (laughs) impressive that six months out from the event you've got 60 tickets sold I mean that's really cool yeah, and, it's, and by the way, like uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't booked your ticket, you should do it right now because the tickets will ultimately be $999. But right now, at time of recording, they're about 30% off. So there's a big incentive to do it. Wow. That, that can pretty much pay for your accommodation uh, and coffee around Manly and stuff. So you should definitely get onto that soon uh, because what we're talking about at the event is just, just amazing, like seven-figure mastermind case study. All right, and uh, let's talk about quotes. All right, think about it. So I see you've gotten rid of my Morgan Freeman quote that I had for you. Um, <laughs> I did. I... <laughs> you just couldn't have Morgan Freeman. That was a step too far. Oh, no, 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 it was good. He's a cool dude, and the quote was great, but I, I prefer this one. This quote is... This, this, you can relate to this if you really feel like down in the dumps. It's only after we've lost everything that we are free to do anything. Chuck Palahniuk from Fight Club. And it, really, that, I like that because it's saying, well, you know what? It's, it's only up from here. You, you're now free to, to, if you were to start from scratch, if you had the metaphorical clean sweep and you just had to start from today, it's it's like that other thing, that cheesy one, albeit, but you know, like today's the first day of the rest of your life. Like you can 
whatever your losses have been up till now, just see if you can start fresh and just build on that. Like you can do anything you want uh, as long as you're as long as you're motivated and ready to roll, which hopefully you are after listening to this. You can achieve massive positive steps from now, even if you've got nothing. Uh, like I know if you picked up Ezra and dropped him into the middle of a new city, like you just drop Ezra there with with uh, fifty bucks and uh, a mobile phone into say San Francisco. I bet you he'd be up and running within days, and months later he'd be just cranking it along if he started from scratch. And because yeah, I think so. You know, you know what to do. You know, you you got the mindset of moving forward, not getting stuck in the past. You wouldn't be mourning the loss of everything, and it's for too long. You'd be like, well, oh well, that's a shame. I it was all pretty good, but but I'm, I'm re- you know I'm ready to go. Let's do it. There, there's a I remember this question now. When I was on, there's a question that this guy, you know, the um. Fire City. Yeah, they all ask the same question. What would you do if you had to start from scratch? I've got the same answer. It's very simple. I'd do what I'm doing now. Yeah, exactly. I would. I would. I'll just quickly replicate it. All right. Here's my quote. It go by a guy called Walter Anderson, and he says, "Bad things do happen. How I respond to them defines my character and the quality of my life. I can choose." to sit in perpetual sadness, immobilized by the gravity of my loss. Or I can choose to rise from the pain and treasure the most precious gift I have, life itself. And what Walter is saying here is that like, you have a choice when you lose. You, you choose how to respond to that loss. It's not, you are not being victimized by the loss. The loss happens and then you make a choice. And I think that's a really powerful uh, frame. Yeah, it's like that, that uh, you... You can't you can't always control what happens to you, but you can tr- control how you react to that. Totally. So, you know, we didn't go through any um, listener feedback. So if, if you have uh, a comment, if you'd like to share what you think about loss, we would love you to do so on iTunes. You can leave a comment uh, on our podcast and a, a review on our podcast on iTunes. You can go to our blog at thinkacket.com. Leave us a comment on the blog under the episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. You know, this podcast is about mindset, behavior, and results, and it's focused on improving your life and business. And everything that we do in this podcast is directed at you, our listener, because the reason why we're producing this is because uh, we want to share our thoughts and experience on these topics with you and then hear what you think about that. Yeah, so I mean, this has been a topic of loss. It's something that we all risk when attempting any new endeavor or experience, and we're taught to hide from it. And that's, uh, you know, it's bad, but it could be just as bad sometimes. It could actually be profitable, uh, more profitable than than um, if you didn't have a loss. So what is loss? How are you using it? How's it affecting your business and your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think at Get. Loss. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just had to end it like that. This has been another episode of Think, Act, Get with James Shramko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster, visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.